Why the waiting? Well, the word Advent, if you are a church person, we, we grew up with Advent calendars. And if you were impatient like me, whoever ate five candies in a row on your Advent calendar and just waited for next week to catch up, right? And, and we have this Advent calendar, and the, and the origin of Advent was simply this. It was, a, it was a preparation time. It was a time of waiting for the birth of Jesus. In fact, monks would, would fast for 25 days and then have a big Christmas meal. Come on. EJ, with the penis and the coquito and the coleslaw. I don't know why I put alcohol in the middle of those two food items, but that's how EJ rolls. Um, <laughs> but but, but they, they would prepare themselves for that. And, and I believe that that's the biggest message that we could walk away with in this series, that, that the waiting, the waiting that you're waiting, whatever you're waiting on, in regards to whatever you're waiting from God for. Like maybe you're waiting for your marriage to, to, to ignite a flame and a passion again. Maybe you're waiting for your kids to return back to Jesus. Maybe you're waiting for the promotion. You're waiting for something to happen in your schools. Whatever you're waiting for, there is a promise that God has for you in the waiting. And sometimes the waiting is the hardest part. That's from the prophet um, Tom Petty. <laughs> waiting is the hardest part. But every good story and if, if, you know, back in the day when I grew up in church, they would have testimony time. Anybody remember testimony time? They would have an open mic, and, and Sister Thelma would tell you that, you know, her, her pasta was good this week. Glory to God, hallelujah, and whatever. And, 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 and they used to drag on the service. But, but if I was to have testimony time, you would tell me these phenomenal stories of God, you know, providing. God providing breakthrough. God showing you to the other side. But the parts of the story that we kind of overlook, that we mention, but they're not amplified enough, are the times of waiting, right? I waited this, this X amount of days. I waited X amount of weeks, and then this happened, right? I waited so long to meet my spouse, but then when I met them, you tell most of the stories about how you met them. You don't, we don't like to talk about the waiting, but it's an essential part of the story. And even if we're looking at the Christmas story, follow me for a second. Take Joseph and Mary. And in scripture, we see, okay, birth of Jesus, right? In a manger, three wise men, which is complete nonsense. We don't know how many they were. Um, sorry to burst your Christmas bubble there and kick over all your nativity scenes, but there, we don't know how many magi they were. Um, but there were magi there, and the reason we picked three is because they bought three gifts. Ready? Bible quiz. What are the three gifts? Gold, Francis's, and myrrh. I don't know why I have to say myrrh that way, but myrrh. And, and so they gave birth to Jesus, and we see in Scripture, specifically in Luke chapter 2, we, we see him grow up, right? So remember, Joseph wanted to divorce Mary quietly because he didn't know that, that you know, he's like, I'm a, I don't want to be a baby daddy, a baby daddy ain't mine. You like I go ghetto real fast in the sermon? Just keep your attention. But, and he doesn't. An angel says, no, this is, this is the Messiah. This is the Savior. You got to stick with it. So he sticks with it. They give birth to Jesus. And then we see Jesus grow. The Bible says that he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and in favor with man. We see him. He's 12 years old. Great story. He's in the temple. We get this great phrase where he looks at his parents. It was like the first home alone scene. They forgot Jesus. They came back, they got him, and he's like, where else would I be? I'm about my father's business. And if you're a preacher, a future preacher here, that's a good, that's a good story to preach out of because you get that little phlegm in your throat. I got to be about my father's business, you know. But he, he says that, and so he's 12. The next chapter, he goes from 12 
to 30. 30 years old, the next chapter. 30 years old, 18 years later, we missed the whole entire 18 years of Jesus' life. We missed the pimple season. Right? We missed the season where, where Joseph's yelling at him because he's teaching him carpentry, and he's like, you didn't put the nail in right. You didn't anchor it in right. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't spackle that right. You didn't do anything right. Like, we missed that whole entire 18 years. And I know that nowhere in the Bible says that Jesus had a pimple. You know, some of y'all are going to have nice theological debates during lunch now. Did Jesus, have, he was perfect. Did he have pimples? Hmm, let's discuss. I don't know. I don't care. But what I am saying, there's an 18-year wait where, think about it, from the, from the standpoint and the perspective of Joseph and Mary, I just wonder, during that waiting season, until Jesus went full-on ministry mode, till his first miracle, what was his first miracle? Water and the wine. Hey, my Jesus knows how to party. He wears a tuxedo T-shirt. <laughs> Nobody? Okay. Well, until that moment, we, we don't hear from him for 18 years. And I wonder if Joseph and Mary were just like, is he going to be the Messiah? Because he's talking back to me right now. Is he going to be the Messiah? He's it took me three times to wake him up. He missed the bus this morning. Right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, this kid's costing me a lot of money. Are you going to be the Messiah? Imagine holding on to a promise for 18 years. We don't talk enough about the waiting. It's kind of, we glance it over. But again, we talked about this. Almost every hero of the faith, almost every strong biblical character, we see it from Moses waiting 40 years for the promised land. Abraham waiting decades until he gets his firstborn son. Uh, Jacob waited. We had to wait between testaments, between Malachi and Matthew. There were 400 years of silence. We're waiting for God constantly. We wait, we wait, we wait. And every single hero of our faith had an element of waiting in every great story. And whatever you're waiting for today, and again, I, I listed a bunch of examples, but whatever you're waiting for today, I'm here to tell you that those who wait for God will renew their strength. It's in scripture. Let's read it again. Last week we read it in Isaiah 40. It says this, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like jets. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. I know it says eagles. I, my Bible says jets. I'm faithful. Depressed, but faithful. Jets fan, that on it. Where my other, there's one other Jets fan here, right? Where are they at? Nope, okay. He's in the bathroom crying. Um, <laughs> but notice this. I didn't have time to talk about this last week, but this is very, 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 very important. So if you want to ignore me for the rest of the sermon, if you could get this, it's a win. It says those who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. I think a lot of times, Christians, that we end up living frustrated, disappointed, worrisome lives because we're waiting for it. We're not waiting for him. Can I say that again? We're waiting for it rather than waiting for him. Last week, we realized that God provides in the way he wants to provide. So I remember I had my son up here as an example, and he's praying to God for Pepsi, which is very disappointing. <laughs> We're my, my Coca-Cola people. Make some noise. Woo! That's right. It's the taste of the holiday. And so Pepsi is not okur. It's not okur. It's not. 
all right? So he's praying for Pepsi, and I showed the illustration that God gave him water. Why? Because God answered his prayer, but God answered in a way that's best for him and that most glorifies him, okay? And so God's going to answer his own way. But instead, what we're doing is we're praying for God for that promotion, but maybe it's not a promotion. Maybe it's a relocation, and that relocation is going to be better than that promotion. Hello? But we get disappointed in our prayer life because we're waiting for it rather than waiting for him. Am I talking to anybody today? And we're called to wait for him. You want renewed strength? You want mature faith? We wait for him, not for it. Because sometimes our it ain't the right it. Our it ain't it. I know that's not good grammar, but that'll preach. All right? So there's a difference between waiting on this and waiting on him. And so one of the great stories, the, the heroes of the faith um, that I want to highlight this morning is a man by the name of Nehemiah. And the reason how cool the connection between Nehemiah and last week's um, story of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, I told you that when Isaiah told the people of Israel to wait for the Lord and, those will renew, and he will renew your strength, he was telling them in the time of captivity, they were taken over by another nation, right? This is in history, they call it the Babylonian captivity. They were taken over by another nation. And how crazy is this? They went from one captivity to another captivity because then after being taken over by, by, by Babylon, Babylon, the Persians came in and they took over, right? So they went from literally captivity to captivity, bondage to bondage, yet they waited on the Lord and God provided. God can provide from storm to storm. Come on. God can provide from trial to trial. Come on. God can't provide from pain to pain. He can provide. Can y'all be Pentecostal this morning, 11 a.m.? He can provide that way. And so they go from captivity to captivity. And so there's a man named Nehemiah who never, he has never seen his homeland. He's never seen Israel. He's a slave. All he's known is slavery. In fact, he was a cup, he was a, a cup bearer. And, and that job description is crazy. It actually is, is a pretty bad job because what he would have to do is he would have to drink the cup before the king drank the cup just to make sure there wasn't any poison in it. Can you imagine having that job? Right? And so he was a cupbearer, and then God kind of put a vision on his heart to go back home, a burning in his heart to go back home and to rebuild the ruins of Israel. And so he gets to do that. Why? Because, hallelujah, when God gives you a vision, he'll make provision. That's another good Pentecostal preaching point. So he gave him provision to go back. And, in fact, the king made him governor over the land. And so he goes back, and as they're rebuilding the temple, he sees that his city is in ruin. And this is what my man wants to do. He's like, you know what? In order for a real city to be stable, we need to build a wall. Back then, if there wasn't a wall around the city, that you were vulnerable to attacks from the enemy. So he says, you know what? There's a burning desire for me to rebuild this wall. So he does that. He starts rebuilding the wall. But you know, whenever you do something great, the haters will come. Whenever you do something great, the critics will come. So he starts getting criticism and, and haters coming out the woodworks and they send spies and they start attacking his workers. But there was something inside of Nehemiah. I, I, I can almost guarantee that the, the, the word of Isaiah was echoing in his heart. Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. He saw something that no one else saw in this time of waiting. And this was his response when those people kept, kept coming at him, trying to take him off the work of God, take him off of building the wall. And this is what he says in Nehemiah 6, 3 to 4. I'm going to read from the message version because it's cool. I knew they were scheming to hurt me. This is Nehemiah talking. So I sent messages back with this message. You ready for this one? 
I'm doing a great work. Ain't nobody got time for that. That's the Mike Rosado version. I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. Why should the work come to a standstill just so I can come down to see you? And watch this. Your haters are persistent. Can I get an amen? Your haters are persistent. And it says this, that four times they sent this message. And four times I gave them my answer. This work is too good. I cannot come down. So he had to work and wait. Y'all see the rhythm? He had to work and he had to wait. He had to work and he had to wait. And then eventually the walls were rebuilt. In fact, it took 52 days for that wall to be rebuilt. Now there's a moment where he's right there at home building the thing that God has called him to do. So it was his time, but the completion of the, of the city wasn't done. It wasn't his turn. As I'm getting older, you know, you have a lot more doctor's appointments. Where are my vintage people at? Real talk, and you might make fun of me for this, like young people, you're going to laugh, but old people, you're going to be like, yup, I hear you. I feel you. I got injured sleeping. Anybody ever got injured sleeping? I'm at that age where I'm getting injured sleeping. But, you know, you have a doctor's appointment. It is, it is your time, but until it's your turn, you have to sit in the waiting room. It is my time, nine o'clock appointment, but I didn't get into the doctor's office until 928. Anybody share my pain? Right? It is your time, but sometimes it's not your turn. And that's the worst. God is setting you up. This is your time. Fervent church, fervent voice, this is our time. We're in the middle of something great. Breakthrough is right around the corner. It is our time. And one day it's going to be our turn, and we're going to see the glory of God infect South Jersey like never before. Can I get some Pentecostals? Amen. And listen, and if you're even a not a loud person, right, and if you can't say amen or whatever, just give me one of these. Now that I can see you, just, just give me that. If you don't give me that, then I'm going to preach longer, all right? So here we see Nehemiah, and he says, I can't come down. And so I, I love the fact that he was motivated. He was focused. He's, he's like, I don't know how long this is going to take, but I'm not going to allow anything to stop me. And I want to be your hype man this morning. I want to be the person to to keep you going when things get rough because you're waiting for something, and I understand that. But I want to I motivate you, and I want to keep you motivated with the truth. You want to know why? The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And there's two factors in every Christian life that keeps us motivated. The Bible says that it's the Holy Spirit that will remind us of things. So we have that, that powerful element, the person of the Holy Spirit reminding us that the, the thing that you, if you're not a church person, you're like, ooh, what is the Holy Spirit? It's like that gut feeling that, you know, you got to keep doing this, that, that, that unction is to keep on going. We have the Holy Spirit. And the other powerful force that God gave us is community. He's given us community. So when, we, when the Bible says don't forsake the gathering of believers, do not overlook this, don't go to Bedside Baptist, come to Fervent Church. Why? Because together we're surrounded by other people that have the same struggles, that, that, that have the same doubts, but we can encourage each other to keep on going. So last week I talked about your thoughts of waiting. Today I want to talk about the actions of waiting and then how to motivate those actions, okay? So we're called to do three things during our season of waiting. Who's taking notes? First thing is this. We can read it in Psalm 27. It says this, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart Take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord, right? So a lot of Bible verses coming at you, so I wish you would tell me we don't use the Bible here at Fervent Church. I will smack you in the head with this mic. 
But wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. So in our waiting, the action that we're supposed to take is that we're supposed to take courage. In other words, I have to stand on guard and do not allow fear to dictate my decision-making. Hello. I will say this, and I've said this plenty of times, but I need to say it again. Any fear-based decision is contrary to the will of God. Can I say that again? Any fear-based decision is contrary to the will of God. How do I know this? The Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear. That's not from him. So any fear-based decision is contrary to the will of God. Psalm 37, so we're supposed to take courage. First thing, take courage. Second thing, Psalm 37 says, wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land, and you will look on when the wicked are cut off. So we're called to take courage, and we're called to keep his way. That means keep on doing what you're doing. Don't stop till you get enough. Don't stop till you get enough. Come on. You know, Michael Jackson was speaking in tongues. Yeah. Mama say, mama sa, mama kusa. Mama say, mama sa. No? All right, whatever. So <laughs> take courage to keep his way. And then same chapter, Psalm 37 says this. So we take courage and then watch this. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. They might look like they're prospering, but they're not. Because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. To rest in the Lord. So we take courage. We walk in boldness. We keep his ways, and we rest in the Lord. That means, and listen, stop taking notes. Look at me in the eyeballs real quick. I'm not talking about lazy Christianity. Lazy Christianity, oh, I just need to wait and just wait for God. No, no, no. When I say rest in the Lord, that means, that doesn't mean to sit your behind down and let life happen. When I say rest in the Lord, is that your source and your peace comes from him. Hello? We could work while we wait. We could work while we wait, but we understand that our source is in him. Where do you run to when you need to refill your tank? That's where your, your soul finds rest. So as we're waiting, we rest in him. So I'm working, I'm working, I'm building this wall, but my rest is in the Lord. Am I talking to anybody today? And so those are the three actions that we do in our time of waiting. And I don't know whether you're waiting 52 days or 40 years. This is what we do. But if you're anything like me, I need hype people around me. I need people to hype me up. I remember going to basketball games. I, I, I played varsity basketball, believe it or not. I know. I was like, Spud Webb was my idol. <laughs> varsity basketball and baseball. I remember going to the games and sitting on the bus, and I would wear the headphones, and the, like back in the day headphones. It was like foam, black foam, you know, and if the black foam broke, it would cut your ear up, but you don't care. You're just listening to the music. And, and my Walkman, and I used to get mad at the bus driver because when you hit a bump, the CD would skip. Y'all don't hear me. <laughs> and so I would listen to music because I would get myself hyped up and I would motivate myself. And I think the church needs more of that. The church needs more of people saying, come on, you can do this. Keep it going. I'm here for you. We believe in you. God's promise is yes and amen. It's going to happen. You might not see it. You might not taste it. But it is coming. It is coming. So we hold on to these three biblical statements. And I would be delighted. Delighted. You like I go for real hood to like now prim and proper. I would be delighted if you would take these three statements and write them on your mirror when you go to the bathroom. And every single morning, whatever you're waiting on, and you read these three statements, and they're from the Bible. And so here's the statements that, that I remember I had to keep for a really long time. Here's why. Remember I said that we kind of overlook the story of waiting? Um, 
God impregnated me with this vision of fervent church. I was praying one day, and, and I can't lie, it wasn't like an audible voice, but I felt it in my spirit that he's like, all right, you, you, this is time to start this church. And I remember that the vision was, what was the purpose of the church? The purpose is to help people find passion. And we know that that passion is Jesus Christ. And so to help people find passion. So I was a good boy, and at the time I was working at another church, and I went to my pastor because that's the right thing to do. And I said, all right, um, I don't know how to say this, but I, I really believe that God is calling me to, to plant a church, and the name is Fervent. And, and I told him the whole story and the vision and everything like that, and he says, okay, that's great, that's fine. I need you to stay for two years until I finish some things up. you got to give me two years. And after some rebuttal, I said, fine, I'll, I'll stay for two years. So I had to wait. I was sitting on a vision. I was impregnated with you. My back hurts. For two years, I was pregnant. I don't, why do women always hold themselves like this? I was pregnant with you for two years before anything happened. And do you understand, in the part of the waiting, I had to motivate myself because, like, I'm waiting for God to birth my vision while I'm building someone else's vision. You know how hard that is? For two years, and maybe you think, ah, two years ain't that big deal. Like, it was a big deal to me. And it was frustrating, so I had to motivate myself. So here are the three statements I held on to. The first one is this. I will not grow weary in doing good. And if you're highlighting that, man, highlight the word good. Because if it's a good thing, then don't grow weary in it. Second statement I had to tell myself is, for this purpose, I came to this hour. I had to steal that phrase from Nehemiah. Nehemiah said this. No, no, no. This is the purpose. This is the reason I came for this hour. This is my purpose. I'm living it out. In every single moment, this is my purpose. And then the third statement I would hang on to, and again, another one that I stole from Nehemiah is this. I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. Ain't nobody got time for that. To re remove all the nonsense. I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. And so here, I held on to these things. And I had to hype myself up with those three phrases. Or maybe you need that today. If you're waiting for your kids, you're waiting for your marriage to come up, you're waiting for your business to flourish in some kind of way. Just remember that. I'm doing a good work. I'm doing a good work. For this purpose, I came to this hour, this moment. This is, what, this is why I am here. And this is a great work. I can't come down. And to say that and to hype yourself up. And Paul talks about this. If you don't think I'm just making this up, Paul talks about, hey, there's a great cloud of witnesses up in heaven encouraging you. And he says this, and again, I'm going to read it from the message version. Hebrews 12 says this. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we better get on with it. Strip down and start running. Not strip down all the way, though. I have to make sure that's clear. And never quit. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Again, we have a Jesus that could empathize with us. He says, study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way. The cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, you ever flagged in your faith? Come on. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline in your souls. Come on. 
That he's talking about, yeah, hype yourself up, hype your soul up to keep on going even during the season of waiting. And that's when you have to say, I will not grow weary in doing good. For this purpose came to this hour. This is great work. I can't come down. We get this from Galatians chapter six. So I will not grow weary in doing good. Because I have like this borderline Puerto Rican thing, I, I always struggle with saying grow weary, go weary in doing good. But grow weary in doing good. And we get this from Galatians chapter six. It says this, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. That's why I ask you to say amen. Because you're sharing with me the good things. Do not be deceived, thank you. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows in the flesh will also from the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows in the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary, weary, while doing good. For in due season we will reap a harvest. How? How we reap a harvest? If we do not lose heart. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't grow weary. Don't grow weary in doing good. Try to tell our boys and I try to tell leaders this, that in regards to waiting, this is how you know the value of things. If it's worth waiting, then it's worth it. If it's, worth, if it's not worth the waiting, then it's not worth it. And inside of each and every one of us, notice the imagery that, that, that Paul was saying when he's writing this, this, this letter to, to the churches of Galatia. He's saying this, he's saying, hey, he's reaping and sowing. Those who reap in this flesh will reap of the flesh. Those who sow in the spirit will reap in the spirit. So he's showing this imagery of farming. And he's like, if you plant this and you'll reap that. So in other words, he's saying that there is a weed of weariness. That's hard to say. <laughs> There's a weed of weariness inside of every single one of us. We all get tired. Some of y'all look tired right now. But we all get tired, thanks. We all get tired, and it's our job and our responsibility to remind us of the good work that we're doing. Your family is a good work. Hype yourself up, people. Your family is a good work. Your kids are a good work. Your schoolwork is a good work. Fervent church is a good work. Do not grow weary. You have to rip out. You have to de-weed the seed of weariness in your life. It's going to be there. But you got to pull it out because you will get tired. I get tired. I get tired of preaching the same word over and over again to people who don't get it. I get tired of counseling people with the same issue year after year after year. I get tired, but I got to remind myself that this is a good work. And I got to keep on going. And then one day, I will be front row to someone else's breakthrough. Cannot grow weary in doing good. The second statement is that for this purpose, I came to this hour. This is the reminder that you have to know why you exist. You have to know why you are here on this earth. You have to know. And I'm here to tell you, and I'm going to make it very clear, and I'm going to be unapologetic about this, that fervent church exists to seek and save the lost and destroy the works of the enemy. That's what I fully believe. And I know some super Christians are going to pull out their big sea chest and they're going to say, well, no, the real purpose of life is doxology. It's about worship and it's about this. Yeah, yeah, I get it. But we worship God better when we add more singers to the choir. Hello. And so we want to, we want to reach people far from God. And, and that's why we exist. And at times, folks, and at times, we'd want, we, people would try to take us away from that, that purpose. 
And what I have to hold on to is that statement is, why am I here? I'm not here because of the pews. I'm not here because of the songs. I'm not here because of how a pastor is supposed to look. I get that all the time. Pastor, I love it when you wear a blazer. Shut up. I, I, I wore military stuff today because I'm at war, baby. Who's going to war with me? All right. Somebody had a joke. I can't see you. I can't see you because of camouflage, whatever. And so that, I'm, I'm, here, I'm here for that purpose, to reach people far from God. And that's why we're here. And at times, I have to remind myself that that is why I exist. Because if you don't remind yourself why you exist, you will become a victim of the critics in your life. Hello? You will become a victim of the critics in your life if you don't know why you exist. You are a parent. You're always a parent. So be a parent, even if your kids are fulfilling their role as being your kids. Know why you exist. If you're a leader, then be a leader. Even if people aren't following, be a leader. Know why you exist. For this purpose, you came to this hour. And the last statement is, I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. If you read the story of Nehemiah, you will understand this, that the way war worked back then, if he came down, the high ground is always the advantage spot. If he came down off that wall, he would have died. Can I say that again? If he came down off that wall, he could have died. But his statement was, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. Write this down. Distractions will kill you. Distractions will kill you. Might not kill you immediately, but it will kill you. And so we have to be on guard that there are going to be things that as we're waiting, your waiting period will leave you most vulnerable to distractions than ever before during the waiting. And as you're waiting, maybe you're a spouse here today and you're, you're running hard after God, you're praying for your other spouse that, that kind of lost their flame for God. And, and as you're waiting, I'm telling you right now, I'm warning you right now, distractions are going to try to take your focus off the finish line. It is. Because distractions will kill you and the enemy knows that. And the enemy knows that. And the enemy is going to attack the leader first because he knows that if he could get the leader, then he, he destroys the mission. So husband and wives, it, yes, he's, he's, the opposition is going to come your way, but stay on mission and don't get distracted because distractions will kill you. Don't get distracted financially. Don't get distracted emotionally. Don't get distracted physically. Don't get distracted. Listen to me. Please listen to me. I fully believe this, that... There are times where things, I'm talking to married couples right now, things will try to distract you away from your emotional real estate in your life. And I'm here to tell you that if anyone else is taking emotional real estate in your life at work or somewhere else, that emotional real estate belongs to your spouse. Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. And if you think, well, I'm not doing anything wrong, I fully believe this, that an emotional affair is just as bad as a physical affair. It is. And, I, I, and I've seen distraction kill marriages. I've seen distraction kill dreams. I've seen distraction kill churches. For us to say and to have the posture that this work is way too great for me to mess around and be distracted and come down for a second while the working and the waiting is going on right now. And maybe today, and this is how I want to close this morning up. Maybe you came in distracted by something. You're distracted by the holidays. You're distracted by worship team coming on up. 
You're distracted by petty things. You're distracted by, maybe, maybe you're distracted by something I said. You didn't like the way I said something. I, I get it. I'm, I'm not a perfect communicator, but you're distracted. You got to ask yourself, does it really matter? And what is the great work happening right now in your heart? What is the great work happening right now in your life and the people around you? It's a great work. Don't come down off of it. Don't come down off of it. And I'm a full believer that the Holy Spirit's already leading you to identify what those distractions are. Maybe there's some friendships that you shouldn't be hanging out anymore. Maybe relationships, maybe habits that are distracting you. And you know what the worst kind of distractions are? The, the, the intangible distractions. Maybe some of you are distracted by your own bitterness. You're distracted by your own criticism. This heavy sense of distraction. I'm here to tell you, distractions will kill you. If not immediately, eventually. And here's what I want to do. I'm going to ask you to stand up, and I just want to pray for that. I'm going to pray, and, and the answer to your distraction is going to seem kind of simple, but it's focus. And all worship is is just a, a focus on God. It's an extreme focus on God. So after I pray, we're going to respond a little bit in worship. Let's just refocus. To get away from distractions. Because during this time of waiting, as I'm waiting for my breakthrough, I know it's our time, but it might not be your turn. And as we're waiting for us not to allow distractions to sideline us, to sidetrack us, to blindside us, and to rob us of what God has promised us, he's already provided it. We just have to trust him until we get there. Let's pray. I think I want to specifically just pray for the intangible distractions, God. So Holy Spirit, help us identify that. Some people in this room that are distracted by their bitterness, just as angry and hurt. And it makes us blind to the great things that you're doing in our lives and the great things that you're doing around us. So it's kind of hard for us to participate in those great things we're distracted Holy Spirit help us lay down distraction right now in Jesus name Holy Spirit help us to identify those relationships that that will not be a catalyst of bringing us closer to you and, and growing in you and to give us the courage to keep your ways and to rest in you and to to find our source in you so that we could have the boldness to, to sever those ties if we need to because they're a distraction of the bigger picture in our lives. God, I know that some of us are distracted by pain and the pain of the past. Lord, by no means do we belittle their pain. But we do right now acknowledge that there are greater things in store for every single person in this room. And that sometimes that pain will distract us from what you want to do. So we say, Lord, have your way. Have your way. Help us refocus. Help us align ourselves to you. Help us hold on while we wait for you, not it, 
We wait for you, for you to do what only you can do. In Jesus' name.